This is an RNZ podcast. On Friday afternoon, the Minister for Broadcasting and Media, Chris Farfoy, popped into the headquarters of Allied Press in Dunedin, the publisher of the city's daily paper, the Otago Daily Times, and many other local papers too. Now, the ODT was founded in 1861, and this was the location Chris Farfoy chose to unveil what he says is his government's latest move to sustain important news and journalism into the future. $55 million over the next three years in a contestable fund to which media companies big and small, local and national can all apply to bankroll their work and their projects. Now this is the biggest single boost to media funding for years, but Friday's big reveal wasn't a complete surprise. After a package of measures to ease the immediate plight of media companies hit hard by a sudden slump in revenue during the COVID-19 lockdowns last year, Chris Farfoy promised a second tranche of support in 2020, but that never came. And in August, Chris Farfoy eventually admitted there was a lack of support for it elsewhere in the governing coalition, assumed by most in the media to mean New Zealand first. But in any case, the minister said back then, media companies seemed to be doing better than many expected in the second half of 2020, after the lockdowns lifted. However, in the run-up to the last election, he told representatives of the main journalist union, it too, that such a scheme was in the pipeline, and with the coalition partners no longer a roadblock after the election last October, Chris Farfoy did get cabinet approval for the funding he announced this week. The new money will be allocated by the government's broadcasting funding agency, New Zealand On Air, and the first $10 million will be available this year, the minister said, and that fund could be taking applications as soon as late April. Now, this news has been welcomed by the private media companies who, until recent years, got no public funding for their work and little from New Zealand on air. And long before COVID-19 cropped up, indeed, soon after he became the minister in 2018, Chris Farfoy signalled an appetite for spreading public funding for journalism beyond public broadcasters. He told MediaWatch in December 2018, if we keep public funding strictly for public media entities and things continue in the way they have been, they may no longer be in existence in three or four years and we will only have one voice for media. However, the value that New Zealanders around the country get from this funding boost will depend very much on how New Zealand On Air distributes it, alongside the $180 million a year it currently parcels out to competing media for stuff that isn't news or journalism. This week we asked New Zealand On Air for an interview with Chief Executive Cameron Harland about all this. They declined, saying it's too early to say so soon after an announcement how they'll spend the money, and they were working on a timeline which will soon be made public. But after the funding boost for New Zealand On Air, its annual budget will top $200 million in 2022, and by that time the government's total annual spend on media and broadcasting will be more than $330 million a year, including the cost of Māori television, Fakata Māori, and the budget of the Māori media funding agency, Tamangai Paho, which are funded under the auspices of the Māori Development Ministry, Te Puni Kōkiri. One person who's tracked public funding of media down the years under successive governments is Dr Peter Thompson. He's a senior lecturer on media at Victoria University of Wellington and he's also a former chair of the lobby group Better Public Media which campaigns for a complete public media platform. I mean, $55 million over three years is certainly a lot more significant as an investment than the amount that was devoted to the local democracy reporting fund. Um, that's still going at the moment, but that was just over a million dollars. So this is a, on another scale altogether. Um, it's a little bit less than the $75 million that the minister suggested he might ask for back in October, but $55 million is certainly a, a, a significant amount. But, of course, it is only for three years. 
And I think that raises some questions about exactly what problems that fund is going to solve. But there, it does raise some questions about sustainability and also whether this, this particular initiative is primarily aimed at trying to stabilise uh, a news media sector that suffered really very badly over the last 20 years, even before COVID. But if you go back to, say, 1999, I mean, newspapers back then had about 40% of the total advertising spend. And I, I've checked, and it's about down to about 10% 20 years later in 2009. And that's taken a hit over the COVID period. So that 55 million isn't going to compensate for, for the loss of hundreds of millions of advertising dollars that have been sucked out of the, of the news sector over the last two decades. But if you go back to 1999, as you did there, newspapers had nothing much to do with the public purse. They were kind of proud of their independence from it. Do you think this really entrenches uh, the expansion of uh, public funding, the public purse, and bankrolling news and journalism, which it didn't used to do at private media companies? Y- yes, it does. Um, now, is, is, is that a legitimate public policy goal? Well, you can certainly make an argument that the fourth estate is a you know, very valuable institution within any democratic society, uh, and, and where they're, they're, they're suffering a massive decline in revenues, uh, something ought to be done about it. However, offsetting the, the commercial opportunity costs of public service content provision in an extremely commercially tight environment are often higher than providing direct funding to public service media. And one of the issues is that it raises questions about whether or not the minister is going to have money to spend on other policy initiatives, such as the proposed merger between RNZ and TVNZ. Then you've got to ask questions about whether, whether there's also going to be funding for other core activities, such as providing a robust public service media at the centre of the media ecology. And Peter, this $55 million in total over three years will be administered by New Zealand On Air. They're the gatekeeper here and the ones who will decide which applications, which ideas, which projects uh, uh, when they were set up. There was, they were not supposed to do this at all. One of the reasons they never funded news and current affairs is because there was a, the A, it was already being produced, and B, the cost of actually subsidising that on a daily basis would just have been enormous and completely impractical. Um, um, the question is, what are the criteria by which it's going to be gauged? I mean, the local democracy reporting fund uh, employed a journalist, you know, that was then dedicated to a particular area of, of, of regional reporting. Um, in this case, it sounds like the funds are going to be project-based, but what the criteria are, we don't know. Yes, because you could argue, couldn't you, that sustaining public interest journalism uh, at a local or even a, a, a larger level you know, public dollars might be better invested if that's the goal into things like, you know, creating a digital subscription platform for them or, or allowing them to replace their online content management system, their publishing system, something like that, rather than actual journalism projects and, and pieces of work. We, we, we don't know exactly where the money is going to be spent. So I, th- I, think, I think there's going to be a, a real need for, for, for transparency in this new fund. And, and a very clear set of criteria so that we can be absolutely sure that every public dollar that gets spent is actually producing high-quality, independent public interest news. And finally, Peter, uh, this over the three years uh, of this, this fund that's boosting the total amount that the government's spending on media every year, I think it's going to go up uh, well over $300 million a year in total. This amount is, is rising pretty substantially year on year, and yet it's not always clear to the public where it's all going? 
I mean, at the moment, we've got so many different you know, areas of funding across the board with rather different and discrete functions. Um, and and I, think, I think the difficulty is that if you try and make the argument that, well, we've got 300 million, uh, all of that should go into a single public media entity. I think the difficulty is you've got, to, you've got to make the case for unwinding the existing recipients of the funding. And it's very difficult to do that without disrupting the media ecology. I mean, for example, you know, if you dismantle you know, New Zealand Air, of course, there'd be howls from, 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 the, you know, from the production industry that that was going to completely undermine media production in New Zealand, even if that money did go to content forms in, a, in another entity. So I think, I, think, I think it's a very difficult question. On, on the face of it, yes, you could make a case for saying that that, that level of funding could be usefully reorganized. But when you actually look at the institutional logistics and practicalities of, of reallocating that kind of fund, I, I, think, I think it gets very difficult. So what I would say, though, we still need strong public service media at the center of the ecology. And what I would very much hope is that the investment in this new journalism fund was not going to compromise the future funds for public service media in Aotearoa, New Zealand. It was Dr Peter Thompson, a senior lecturer on media at Victoria University of Wellington, who's also the former chair of the lobby group Better Public Media, campaigning for a complete public media platform.